0: The views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, advertising partners, or ownership of Forever Communications. It's time for the Tri-State Sports Podcast, presented by Jerry Ward Autoplex and the Hawk's Nest. Now, here are your hosts, John Thornton and Jordan Taylor.
1: And welcome in. It is the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex on RadioNWTN.com, Froggy 99.3 Facebook Live, and later this week, Playback on WENK. Special edition of the show today, John Thornton and Jordan Taylor. We're thrilled to be joined by Chad Withrow and Jonathan Hutton from OutKick, the coverage and OutKick 360. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. We're thrilled to have you. Thank Happy you to be here. Yeah,
2: appreciate Great you guys on. having us on the program
1: no doubt about it we're thrilled to have you obviously they have been busy they've had a trip to the super bowl a couple of weeks ago how was that by the way jonathan you were telling us about that a little bit off air fun to go out to the super bowl
3: oh it's a blast yeah (laughs) Uh, and chad and i have been to arizona for the super bowl this is our third time it's one of my favorite spots uh, destinations it's i think the layout's great uh weather's always perfect and look at we're never going to complain about uh, going to Super Bowls, but this uh, the convention center there is perfect for what we do, so yeah, it's, it was conducive. plus, the last couple of years, um, not as many media or guests for that matter, have traveled in, and now we're you know back to normal. I felt like this was more of a, a Super Bowl of pre COVID, which is what we're trying to get to.:
2: yeah. yeah, very much, you know, most of these Super Bowl locations are huge, but Phoenix is so spread out. That you feel like you're in three or four different Super Bowl cities, depending on where you are. Downtown Phoenix is one hub, Glendale's another hub, Scottsdale's another hub. There are people in Tempe also. So, everywhere you go out to dinner or where you go out, you know, it feels like a different Super Bowl locale. But everything being located downtown Phoenix is great. Like Hutton said, that was our third time there. So, we know the lay of the land really well. Uh, It's always a blast. And It's a a nice, uh, you know, sort of sports radio convention, I feel like, that you're attending because you see everyone from all over the country that, that you've known for years. It's great.
1: Awesome, awesome. We're going to take care of our housekeeping items here before we jump into the show. Chad and Jonathan are going to talk all things Tennessee and Titans with us. Obviously, both big off seasons for both of those programs. You can reach me on Twitter at John underscore MT18. You can reach Jordan at JT underscore 1823. You can tweet at our Froggy handle at NWTN underscore Froggy. You can text us on the text line at 731-885-9999. You can reach Chad on Twitter at the Withrow, and you can reach Jonathan on Twitter at Hutton Outkick. Obviously, these guys will be here with us for the first segment of the show. We're going to talk a lot of Titans and Vols with them. So let's start with the Titans end of things, guys. Obviously, the Titans just hired a new general manager. Rand Carthon replaces John Robinson, who's actually from our neck of the woods out here um, in Obion County in Union City. And so Rand Carthon is the hire. What are you guys' thoughts on that, and what does he look for in the draft and free agency?
3: Well, the pedigree is great. I mean, he's done a little bit of everything in his background, pro-personnel-wise. The good news for him is he's inheriting a staff that's already been ingrained in the draft, just like he was in San Francisco. And that's what ownership wants. They want him to build a roster that's similar to San Francisco's as far as depth. That's one of the best rosters, one through 53, in the National Football League. And really, one through 63, uh, if you count the, the practice squad. So... That, that's his mission, and look, uh, if, if they'll get rid of John Robinson, no one's safe within that organization. Um, everyone was put on notice during the season. It's time to win. And making the playoffs isn't good enough, and that includes Rand Carthon.
2: Yeah, I would be – if I were an NFL owner, I'd probably uh, make everyone around me very angry because I'd be very simplistic in my thought process. And I would simply go to uh, the team that I admire the most, and the organization I admire, and how they built their roster. And i just say, hey, give me one of the guys from that place. Go over there and give me one of those guys. So I know nothing about Rand Carthon. I've never met the guy. You know, I'm not uh, in the day-to-day studying the front offices of every NFL team, knowing who's up to what and what they're doing. But I can watch the 49ers on Sunday and say, that's a damn good football team. And they're built yeah. in third, fourth, and fifth-round picks. And, you know, they can go out and get a, a Juwan Jennings in the sixth round that can be a contributor for them, uh, tying it into the balls also. So I, I love the hire from that rationale. I, I would be very simple in it and say if he's the number two in San Francisco for John Lynch, that's a guy that I want. And I think that's what Amy Adams-Trunk did. I don't think it was the right move to fire John Robinson in season. I think you let things play out, and if it continue down that path that we all saw, then you make a change after the season. It, it gave them no benefit to do that in season, but – I guess all's well that ends well if this ends up working out with Rand Carthon, and at first glance, I love the move.
1: Yeah, so now that, you know, we were kind of talked about this a little bit off air, now that, you know, you've got the hire in place, who are the targets in free agency now? Obviously, you know, there's a lot of concerns about Ryan Tannehill's future and, you know, the offensive line's got to be beefed up. There's a lot of different things that have to be addressed, and, you know, where do you think he starts with kind of trying to retool
3: this roster? Starts on the offensive line, and I th- I th- they got to spend some money up there. The offensive line was awful. Um, you know, everyone wants to point to AJ Brown as the reason that we we saw John Robinson get fired. I, I point to the offensive line. Uh, they they lost their identity, and their their identity was not in the passing game. Their identity was up front in the trenches, and they've got to rebuild that. That I think we could see four of the five starters from last season not there starting this upcoming season. And that's a good thing. That's how bad they were. So I, I think they spend money in free agency and they also address it in the draft. And guys, I, 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 I think they need multiple moves. Depth-wise, it was not good enough. And I, I think we look at the offensive line and wide receiver as two places that will be of note whenever March 15th rolls around the first day of the league year. I don't know how aggressive they'll be in, in total Um, but I do think they make a splash and try to get out there and get someone that that Carthon feels like could be a building block and centerpiece around. Yeah, so
1: obviously, you know, the other factor here you've got that you're thinking about is Ryan Tannehill's future. You know, you kind of had a lot of different things going on in the quarterback room last year between, you know, Tannehill's in and out of the lineup, Malik Willis was, was what, second, third round pick somewhere in there, and you know, mixed reviews. I guess you could say with with For his sure. performance, and then obviously, you know, it says a lot when you bring in Josh Dobbs off a practice squad to start two must win games at the end of your season. So, how do you guys see Rand Carthon untangling that this whole mess right now? Well,
3: that's going to tell us, and 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 Jordan, I want to get your thoughts on this too. You're the Titans fan of the group, right? Uh, it's going to tell us a lot of the direction they're going to go as far as rebuild, retool, remodel, whatever the, the Tannehill decision will, will tell us that because they can save 18 million on the cap by cutting or trading him. They can also restructure some things, but I don't think if I'm the new general manager of any, any, I'm not trying to kick the can down the road too far. I I think they need to invest in Tannehill or a veteran. And I still think the better option is Tannehill restructure that money but also be aggressive in the draft and get a quarterback it's not malik willis i don't think the new staff the new regime is going to come in here that includes the new coaches i don't think they're coming into nashville and immediately getting rid of malik i think they'll want to see him for themselves but what i saw in training camp and at the end of the year i mean they started josh dobbs over him on what four or five days practice i mean that tells you where he was as a rookie he wasn't ready and the development wasn't there um, that's just the harsh reality of the National Football League. So they need uh, another young quarterback that they can eventually, potentially turn to. And uh, the, the the horizon, you can see that change coming. Uh, the next era of Titans football is coming, and that includes quarterback with Ryan Tannehill. It doesn't have to be this year, but it's, it's happening very soon.
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, John's heard me say this probably a hundred times. Um, you know the all the all the talk about how bad Tannehill is and how they need to move on from Tannehill, and a lot of fans have have uh, really expressed that. I think the hardest thing about that is where do you go? I mean, I know. I mean, yeah, you can get rid of Ryan Tannehill. That's fine, but he's a guy that's got you to the playoffs multiple times. I know he's played probably his worst football in the playoffs, um, but he's a guy that's helped you get there. He's had some good games throughout the regular season. Um, and there's just not a lot of quarterbacks out there that I think you can go get that are going to be that much better than Tannehill and that are going to help you win a, a lot of games like he has over the yeah. last few years for the Titans.
3: Yeah, and and, and be affordable, and and yep. I know the quarterback position is not affordable, period, but no, um, the, the Titans are regular season good, mm-hmm. and the Chiefs back in 2016 were regular season good with Alex Smith. They kept him. And they drafted Mahomes. They sat Mahomes, and they turned things over to Patrick Mahomes in 2017. Uh, the Titans could be in position like that early in the draft. They pick 11th. Mahomes was drafted 12th. I'm not trying to compare the right. third or fourth best quarterback to Mahomes. But at the time, he was a 6-6 six and six quarterback in college. So I, I look at this and think they, they could go a lot of different ways with how they want to structure this, but they need to be flexible at that position because – Um, especially if you like one of the young quarterbacks, I would invest there first because it's, there has to be an answer post it's Tannehill and Henry that, that tie, that's their identity. I don't think they want to change their identity. I do think they can be, um, better at what they do and more creative with what they do. Tannehill last year was not the problem. Um, but again, he's not part of the solution long-term. He can be for a year. He's not long-term, and I think they need to look in that direction while also trying to be competitive and win. I don't think they're mailing it in, throwing in the flag, saying, hey, let's tank for a quarterback in 2024. I don't think Vrabel signs up for that at all. I do think they can be aggressive at the position while also sticking with Tannehill where people freak out that he's back and then the draft rolls around and it's like, oh, I I see the plan now. It's very similar to when they had DeMarco Murray and, and then they drafted Derrick Henry. Um, They had some extra picks. They took advantage of that. The only difference with my comparison to KC back in 2016, Kansas City had an offensive line that was pretty good at the time. And they also had more cap flexibility than what the Titans do currently. And that's the first mission is trying to get under the cap and figuring out who who you want back, who you don't. And it starts with Tannehill and Henry and the money they're making.
4: Go ahead, Jordan. Yeah, I was just going to say, that's kind of where – I stand with it too. And that's a question yeah. I have for you. And I see a lot of people talking about the draft and what the Titans are going to do early in the draft. But you look at this offensive line. You just talked about it. Do you do you think they decide to go more free agency with the offensive line? Or do you think they, they go early in the draft with an offensive line?
3: I think it's both. Yeah. I mean, they they have so many holes right now. Um, you know, everybody but Nicholas uh, Petit Frere, I think could turn over i do think like we could see brewer switch spots potentially like when i say starters like we could see a guy starting in a different position i don't think lawan's back i don't think we're going to see uh davis back um ben Ben jones Jones. yeah so that when you start going through the names like you're there they've either aged out they're injured or they're going to get paid elsewhere and and that's fine um but they're, the Titans are also going to have to spend some money, and they're going to have to retool and build their depth. Their, their depth hasn't been nearly as good, and it's because they swung and missed on Isaiah Wilson, and then they follow that up with Dylan Raidens, and this is what happens. You have to pay the Piper, and they're paying the consequences of that right now. They they have to be – first and foremost, they have to go after um, offensive linemen in, the, in free agency because, I mean, Tannehill didn't stand a chance. Henry couldn't run the football uh, effectively, especially in the second half. And, you know, that's who the Titans are. They pride themselves on being able to get that yard. Uh, it wasn't even a yard. It was a yard in the backfield. Yeah. Well, let me let me ask this, and we'll get Chad back in on the conversation here.
1: You know, we saw Mike Bravel kind of retooled the offensive coaching staff. Obviously, you know, there have been cries, and Jordan was one of the loudest of them to get rid of Todd Downing for quite some time. Yeah. Todd Downing is, of course, gone. Yep. And now you've kind of brought – was it the passing game coordinator, Jordan? They promoted to the, to the new offensive coordinator. So, Chad, let's start with you here. Do you see this panning out, Do you, or what What does that kind of say about Mike Vrabel that you really don't see a lot of outside hires come in? You just kind of see a lot of reshuffling more than anything with this offensive staff. Yeah, I mean, I don't
2: get it. I don't – I mean, it might work out. You know, who knows? Tim, Tim Kelly may be a lot better than Todd Downing, but – it is very odd that when you have the thirtieth ranked passing offense in the league, your move is to promote the passing game coordinator to yeah. full time offensive coordinator. I don't know how you sell that to a fan base. Um, it would be like a, you know a college program losing every game and then deciding, you know, we, you know who we need. Let's promote the assistant coach, the bench coach. <laughs> now needs to be the head coach. That we need more of that. Uh, this is Mike Vrabel saying we need more of that. I, I don't get it. He's a smart guy. I think he's also a guy that at times is too reliant on what he knows and who he knows. And I think this may be an example of that. I was really hoping they would sort of go outside the family for this hire. But he knows that Tim Kelly fits in with that staff. He knows Tim Kelly's going to do what he wants and, and, and going to do exactly what he says. So ultimately that's, I think, what he wanted in this hire. So we'll have to wait and see if it if it works out. But on, on its face, I don't see how you can sell this as a positive to the fan base.
3: I think what took so long in the in – the- um, and just naming him OC is Vrabel was structuring the staff where they interviewed Charles London, they interviewed Justin Alton, and some others, of course. But they end up finding roles for them within the staff after they interviewed for OC, and then they elevated Tim Kelly and then restructured the guys that he wanted to keep in other roles that could be analyst or assistant, whatever. Um, um, I look, he. I think it was inevitable after the DUI that Downing was getting fired. He deserved to be fired prior to that. The offense was awful. Um, they're not stupid in why it didn't work, but they also have to figure out what Tim Kelly is going to be able to do to advance the offense further with the, the – the, I mean, it's a depleted roster. We, we need to see the full arsenal before we can judge this. Um, and And right now there's – there are not many pieces to work with, especially at wide receiver. Um, go back to – you know, Arthur Smith it was a promotion from within, and that worked well. He mm-hmm. used pieces well. He developed players within the offense and used them at separate times throughout games to get the most out of John o. Smith and Corey Davis and A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry and Tannehill. And we didn't see that from Downing. Downing, you know, force-fed certain things in – in what was a creative play call, he—I have no idea why he would call a sweep to Malik Willis after they're running down the field and running over Indianapolis in the first half of that game earlier this year at Nissan Stadium. So that's just an example. Like it, it was just the ill-advised timing of some of the things Downing was doing. And look, that Kelly's got to be so much better than what we've seen for this to be a success, because they can't just be incrementally better. That's not good enough to win games with what they have.
1: Yeah will be interesting to see how this offseason shapes up for the Titans. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Stay tuned. More coming right after this on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex.
0: For your next car or truck, come see Jerry Ward Autoplex in Union City. Jerry Ward and his all-star team have a lot filled with pre-owned small, mid-sized, and full-sized cars, SUVs, and nice trucks, too. And if they don't have the right size, they'll find it for you. No matter what you're looking for, score your next ride at Jerry Ward Autoplex. Real Foot Avenue in Union City, or online at jerrywardautoplex.com. Like Jerry always says, don't dream it, drive it. Be a winner with Jerry Ward Autoplex in Union City.
1: Segment two on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex, and let's transition to the Tennessee Volunteers over in Knoxville. Uh, You know, gentlemen, we were talking about this kind of off-air for Jordan and I, from the majority of our lifetime and our time together, we have none, known nothing but uh, bad volunteer football. And so this year was kind of a surreal experience for us. What are, Where are you guys at, and what, what were your thoughts on this season with Josh Heupel, 11-2, and two, an Orange ball victory, easily the best season in 20 years on Rocky Top?
3: Chad, did you hear any of that? I guess not. Look, I, I was along for the ride uh, with this, um, we were. I had, we were at the Bama game, for instance, um, oh, at Neyland. Unbelievable year, and the the steps, the staircase that they're climbing to where they've gone from, you know, middle of the pack at best in the SEC, to now nationally relevant again, right? Like, and and how quickly it happened. That, that quick turn. Mm-hmm. Now it's uh, from from. From there to post Hendon Hooker is going to be really interesting mm-hmm. to ride yes. that wave. But what Hendon Hooker brought, the stability there, the whole story behind it, the players that either decided to stay or stepped up after not performing very well three years ago or two years ago, and what they did last year. The I, I think Hypel does a great job of scheming guys open. And then those players went and made massive plays. It, the the bama game is is one thing but the way they they the the season and the momentum that built uh really really incredible the, the icing on the cake i think would have been hendon hooker and heisman and you know and sugar bowl right like to go back to the sugar bowls where everyone talks about that year um of course hooker gets hurt they probably lose to south carolina anyway and things derail from there but I, I like the way they finished the season. I don't think they had any business sticking with Clemson with the roster that they took down there, but they did. And I think that's a sign of great things to come because I, I, I Heupel has done a tremendous job of embracing NIL. He has embraced the play. He didn't make excuses. I never heard once, oh, we, we need this. We need, we, we're depleted here. We need a couple years. No, uh, he was aggressive from the jump, and it's paid off. And the reward is... Now they're at a point where now it's about consistency. It's not about surprising people. It's about staying consistent, and I think they'll do that.
4: Chad, how, how do you think Tennessee does that? We're talking about the success with Heupel uh, and how he's really turned it around so quickly on Rocky Top. How does he maintain that su- success post and Hooker? Well, he's got to get players,
2: and he's got to continue to advance the offense. That's what Alex, Alex Golish was able to do. You know, they, they had an under center package. They had Princeton Fant as an H-back. They were able to do some different things that kept people even more off balance. I, I do think that this offense will score points, you know, as long as he's there. But I think there's a law of diminishing returns at some point where people are going to get more familiar with it. And you're just going to have to beat them with players eventually. Uh, the first two years, I think he was able to beat people with surprise and that it's just so different when you go up against it. Eventually they're gonna, you know, they're gonna have to get more Nico Yamalayavas. They're gonna have to to get more big time receiving threats that can challenge Georgia and Alabama and Florida every single year. I think he's doing a fine job in recruiting, but when you look at it, I mean, is it reasonable to expect Tennessee to beat Georgia or Alabama? Not really. No. Not based on players. It's pretty remarkable they were able to beat them last year. So I still don't see this as a program that's ready to just knock down the door and go undefeated and win a national title. But I think that what he set up now is a situation where their offense is going to put up incredible stats every year. They're going to win eight, nine, 10 games, you know, pretty regularly. And then maybe they'll give themselves a chance if they, if they strike gold at some point to go and win a national championship or to play in a playoff. And now the playoff field is expanding. That's going to be even easier to do. Um, But I, you know, it's, It's a little bit discouraging when you look around and see, man, Tennessee was the talk of college football this year, and they finished 11th nationally in recruiting, and Alabama and Georgia are one and two. Uh, Once again, I mean, I I don't know what you do with that when you see the amount of five stars Alabama has. So, look, it's going to be fun for Tennessee fans. Uh, They've got some good players coming in. The defense is going to improve. They're going to score points, but I don't think it's reasonable to expect that they're going to be beating Georgia and Alabama regularly anytime soon. Go ahead, Jordan.
4: I was going to say, for me, you know, the main thing that I see is you look at Alabama and you look at Georgia, and it's not it's not the one, it's not the twos. It's the threes and the fours. They can keep rolling guys out there. At every position, um, they have two or three, four guys that can, can play at a high level. And for me, Tennessee defensively is what scares me, guys. I mean, I understand Heupel and what he brings offensively and the guys he can go get and attract with that style of offense, the amount of points he can put up. Um, but I'm worried about getting stops when it comes down to it. I think, you know, the old saying is defense wins championships. I know it's not really around as much anymore, but I still believe you have to find a way to get a few stops, at least in critical games. And I think it's going to take more guys on the defensive side of the ball to really get Tennessee over the hump.
2: Yeah, and I think the LSU game to me is a great example of what you're talking about. Um, it's about breaking syrup with Tennessee on defense. They're not going to shut people down. They're not going to be Georgia's defensive a year ago at any point under Josh Heupel. That, that's a byproduct of the way they play. But what they can be is aggressive. They can get a fourth down stop or two. They can generate a couple of turnovers. And in doing that, they're going to blow the doors off people. Right. I mean, look how quickly that LSU game got out of hand because they got, what, I think two fourth down stops in the first half. They had the special, special teams, teams turnover, turnover yeah. start the game. the people with that offense.
1: Yeah, I mean, the other part of that that I always thought about, too, with this offense is you you put pressure on people. You know, it was talked about so many times on various broadcasts is when Tennessee is scoring virtually at will, you almost feel like you have to go blow for blow with them because if you don't, I, I mean, it can get ugly like that LSU game. And that's I think Jonathan, where I want to go next is how does Tennessee take this next step defensively to give themselves better chances to not just rely on scoring
3: 45 points a game? Yeah, I mean, I mean that's I mean that's kind of their their mantra right now. I, I asked Josh Heupel this preseason of last year. I said, is the goal just to be one or two drives better defensively? Because I thought they, that, that's what they were missing. They need one or two extra stops. And he goes, no, we we expect our defense to play as well as our offense. Well, that, that you got to have the horses to do that. Mm-hmm. It starts with the pass rush, you know, uh, and in, in many cases, keeping quarterbacks in the pocket as much as possible, which is nearly impossible in college football. Um, but I, I felt like that at, at times. And, and Bryce Young had a career day against the Vols, and the Vols still won. Uh, but at times, it was just it was flashes of really good play but nothing consistent over four quarters that's what they're lacking and they need the the four stars uh on defense as much as they do on offense it the the recruiting's got to pick up on that side of the ball and i look i I think they've got some guys coming in that kind of meet that criteria but they've got to continue to build that and that can also come through the portal as well and heupel's been very good um again with spire and, and everyone else. like they they are nationally known for being a program, uh, that's not Florida, right there. If you come in, you're going to be taken care of as far as name image likeness is concerned. That's huge. Um, because players talk about that. Kids talk about that. Families talk about that. Um, I, I think they have a lot going for them in that regard.
1: Yeah, certainly will be interesting to see where this thing goes. Jordan, any other questions before we let Jonathan go?
4: Well, I don't know. I don't know how much you guys uh follow Tennessee basketball, but obviously with uh I'm oh. sure you're right in the middle of that. But with this Rick Barnes team and I, I you can talk briefly on the Lady Vols if you want to, too. But with the direction of the two Tennessee basketball programs, specifically the men this year, how they've kind of been up and down. I mean, you you yeah. beat a number one team in the country and then you lose to an unranked. So. Uh, just give us your thoughts on where the Tennessee basketball programs are. We're
3: just talking about needing defense, they've got it right. Like <laughs> yeah. they can, they can. I mean, it's hard to get sixty points on them. And I, I think their season is a great, um, just a, in one team, a great example of the college basketball season in general. Uh, anybody <laughs> can beat anybody. Teams are very up and down. Uh, I think we've now had nine or ten losses to the number one team in the country, depending on who it was um yeah i mean that's that's tennessee but that's also a lot of programs they to me they they need sweet 16 and then then they can start you know we we can actually begin to start talking about the ceiling i don't know what the ceiling is for this group yet it was you know it was extremely high about a month ago and now we're, we're seeing the, the up-and-down play, and we, they beat Bama. They lose to Kentucky. It was a big game for Kentucky, but um, also just a uh, another example of how inconsistent they've been. That That's the unfortunate part of it, but that's also, like, on the flip side of that, we've seen them be really good. And I, I think if you're going to hit a lull, okay, hit a lull. But in tournament time, find the guy that's going to hit that big shot in a game where – your offense isn't all that great, your defense is going to get the stops. And I think from a leadership standpoint, they're fine. So I think they have a lot of positives, but I think the negatives are what can hold back a lot of programs right now. It is odd to look at the top 10 in college basketball and not see some of the you know, the familiar brands. Yeah. Um, that's also a reason why Tennessee can absolutely make a nice run but right now, they're not setting themselves up for a, a nice run in the SEC tournament. They could be anywhere from, you know, like a two seed, three seed. They could fall to, depending on what happens, six or seven. And that's crazy to say that. But, like, yeah. it, it, their, their inconsistent play puts them in a lot of different areas on the bracket for me. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's certainly been an up and down year to uh, to say the least and uh, plenty to, uh, to clean up. And, you know, you just hope that they can kind of get hot again like they did for yeah. the back half of the season last year, which, you know, you thought they were set up for a good run last year. And then, of course, upset by Michigan in the round of 32. So, mm-hmm. um, obviously, you know, we've talked about it before, Jonathan. You never doubt this that Rick Barnes' teams will defend, but it's always been can they
3: score enough. And that's, again, the question mark this year. Yeah, and and just it, it's not even um, to me. It's not score enough. It's do they have the guy to get a basket late in the game you when you gotta have it? Yeah, right. That there, that's the that's the difference between an elite eight or a Final Four team is that bucket at the end that Michigan's getting that Tennessee's not and. Yeah. I don't know who that guy is on a consistent basis enough. That's my, maybe that's the biggest issue with them offensively. They're they're not going to score a ton of points, but do they have a guy on a night where it is just slow and it's bogged mm-hmm. down? Yep. To get that bucket, that's it. Who who they're going to? And you know, it, I right now you could pick out four or five guys that can do that, but you've got to have the alpha at the top yep. and.
4: And we've seen- Someone,
3: someone's got to take advantage of that, and to me, that's what's that's what's limiting them to where I'm not all in, thinking they're getting out of this rut. But at the same time, like, there's a lot of programs in a rut. I'm not I'm not as down on Tennessee as maybe what I sound. I I think they can absolutely um, play well in tournament play, but you know, seed wise, they've got to avoid the you know the seven seed or eleven seed Michigan, yeah. you know and get up top so you can face one of these lower seeds because I think wide open, like the 12 and five always tend to beat up on each other. I think this year, based on what we've seen, we could see 13 and 14 play like a 12 in the bracket. That's what's concerning uh, across college basketball. If you're at the top of the bracket.
4: If you fall to, if you fall to a higher, you know, if you have to match it with a higher seed or lower seed sorry. And you're, you know, it's a, you're playing a 10 or 11. The problem is you can't afford you can't afford these slow starts in March period because it's right. one and done. And you well, know when you score you score two points in the first six minutes, no yeah. matter who you're playing, you're not going to win many ball games. So that's well, that's, but, what, but, that's so for concern.
3: Tennessee if they're if they're facing you know uh, one of those lower seeds that you mentioned, they're going into the tournament playing very inconsistent ball. That other team just won their way in as mm-hmm. an at large, so they're hot. That's the difference, and that's what they have to avoid. They've got to get back in gear before tournament play. They can't just turn it on because they're going to be tipping off against a team that's winning their way in to the yeah. tournament based on their conference tournament play.
1: Yeah, going to be fascinating to see how it un- all unfolds. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us today, and Chad as well. Yep. Uh, obviously, we hate that it didn't work out with Chad with some technical difficulties. We'll try to have you guys back on in
3: the near future. Thanks so much for your time again hey absolutely guys uh congrats on the longevity you guys have been uh, together about as long as chad and i have so um yeah keep it up and uh, look I'll, I'll come on anytime really appreciate you having me absolutely Thanks, appreciate, you appreciate you as well we're going to take a break jordan and i will continue
1: the show after this it is the tri-state sports program presented by the hawks nest and jerry ward Autoplex.
4: Are you looking for a place to sit back, relax, and support your favorite sports teams? It's the Hawks Nest Bar and Grill in Martin. On Mondays, $3 well shots and $1 nanny light cans. Also, weekly cornhole tournaments with $10 blind draws, sign-ups at 6 and bags fly at 7. Titsy Tuesdays, trivia night, $2 well tequila shots, $2 natty cans, two-for-one well shots, and also $2 tacos. Wednesday wing Wednesday with 50-cent wings. Karaoke on Thursday and each and every weekend live music. So be sure to stop by and support your favorite local bands at the Hawks at 105 church street in martin
1: segment number two or i guess number three whichever way you want to look at it here on the tri-state sports program presented by the hawks nest and jerry ward autoplex again thanks to chad withrow and jonathan hutton from outkick the coverage and outkick 360 for joining us in segment number one uh chad kind of had some technical difficulties so we apologize to you guys for that and apologize to him but we'll try and have them back on in the near future, we're going to get into some local headlines here in the second segment, Jordan, as District Tournament Week has wrapped up and it was not without its eyebrow razors here in our backyard. And I guess the biggest story coming out of it Gibson County, Saturday night, stunning, previously unbeaten Westview at home by behind a, I think it was 25 was her final number, Micah Hart leading Gibson County to break the Westview win streak, which I think ends at 54. They win the district title and a huge win for Gibson County on Westview's home floor, no less.
4: Yeah, and at at this time of year, Westview, I mean, Westview's hard to beat at any time of the year, but this time of year, it's really shocking. I mean, it really is shocking to see them lose a a postseason game on their their home floor. Obviously, they still have a lot of basketball left, and they're going to bounce back from this, and there's probably – Some teams looking around the state, John, that are like, crap, I hate that they've done got ticked off now because now we got to get a ticked off Westview who doesn't lose much. Uh, So I expect them to bounce back and and be ready to go. Uh, But, you know, for Gibson County, all year with Westview, it's been a mental thing. It's, you know, we can't beat them. They just thought they could not beat them. Huntington actually had played them better than Gibson Mm -hmm. County had the previous two games. And Huntington, of course, was was the three seed in the district, finished third. Um, but Gibson County came out in this game and, and played much better basketball, and um, a lot of that was Micah Hart and what she was able to do uh, offensively for the Pioneers. And obviously, you know, we've talked about it with other people before. You get to the
1: middle the middle of that Westview zone, and that is that is the key. Gibson County did that, and uh, congratulations to them. But, you know, talking to a lot of folks over in Martin, they they certainly kind of seem to think, and I think a lot of people would say this, better for Westview to go on and lose now and they kind of get the, the pressure of trying to stay undefeated and knowing that if you have one misstep somewhere, your season's over. I mean, you know, so kind of better to have this happen now and a chance, like you said, to kind of catch fire here as we head into region tournament week. Westviews, our Union City's girls are headed to East Hickman. They'll be the four seed coming out of District 12 AA and went there last year and actually lost by two. So if they can be competitive, Jordan, obviously a chance to extend the season into ne- the next week's region semis.
4: Yeah, I mean it, you're playing at this time of the year. And that's all you can ask for. Obviously, um, you know finishing uh, was fourth in the in the district and having to to travel. Of course, in the first round of the region, um, you know you would like to play a game at home, similar to the boys. Um, but you know at this point in the season, it's a part of it. You got to be able to go on the road and win some some big games. And of course, if you make it to the big dance, the the whole thing's on the road. It's in Middle Tennessee, so you better get used to that environment. So. Um, We'll see what the girls can do. I think John, the main thing for them, uh, I've only called one of their games this postseason. Of course, you and Coach uh, Suter have been on the other calls, but I think the main thing for them, John, has been the health. I mean, they just haven't had all their troops, uh, everybody that they've used to, uh, they're used to having throughout the entire season. Um, and I, I've heard Coach Kobe talk about this as well. It's just um, trying to get a few knickknack injuries uh, figured out and, and try to get everybody back before they try to make a, a run here in the region tournament. On the boys' side of things, they're headed to Hickman County on Saturday.
1: They defeated Westview last night in the consolation game. And then Milan absolutely smashing Gibson County. I know the score kind of says it was closer, but, you know, Jordan, we were get packing up, getting ready to leave, and we're sitting in the hospitality room watching it as uh, that game's unfolding. 31-9, to 9, I think it was, in halftime. I mean, Milan just came out and overwhelmed Gibson County, and so, you know, not on my bingo card. I don't know what was wrong with Gibson County last night, but Milan wins the district and they are going to be a number one seed coming out of district 12, double a and into the region tournament.
4: Yep. 20 plus early in the game came out, controlled the game I mean, they that's, that's Mylon, you know, Milan is known the last couple of years for their defense, uh, making it tough on people to score. I do think Gibson County is better than that. Uh, it did shock me a little bit as well to see the early score line in that one. um, but, you know, Mylon is they're turning on at the right time. They're a really good defensive team, and we'll see if they can uh, carry that on throughout the region tournament. In Tennessee football news, the balls added an in-state commitment,
1: and Marcus Gorey from uh, the, Nat, I think, the Chattanooga area in the 2024 class, I think he's a three-star athlete. So Josh Heupel already work into next year's recruiting class. We've hit the all-star break in the NBA. The Grizzlies still sit second in the West at the all-star break five games back of the top-seeded. Denver Nuggets and you know Jordan you know we'll get more into this with the NBA here in a few minutes but it's gonna be interesting to see if the Grizzlies can still finish kind of in that top three you know four tier with the way you know there's been so much shuffling with the Lakers gearing up obviously I don't think the Lakers finished that high but Phoenix is not far behind Phoenix obviously adding Durant who's going to come back sooner than later um, and then you know the, the, the Clippers who are already kind of in the middle of the pack just added Russell Westbrook and I mean, interesting to see if the Grizzlies can kind of hold off some of these teams that have beefed up for contending runs.
4: Yeah, I mean, you think about uh, the Nuggets, you think about the Suns after I, uh, adding Kevin Durant. Uh, those are two teams um, that are going to give the Grizzlies some issues. Um, if the Warriors can get healthy, they're another team that you're probably going to think about or talk about. Um, you know, I, for the Grizzlies, the main thing to me is being consistent. I think they have the guys, but they went they sometimes and they did it right before the All-Star break. They go on these seven, eight-game stretches we are just not playing together. I mean, it's a lot of me ball. It's a lot of one-on-one basketball. Um, So I think that if they can be consistent on the offensive side, uh, share the basketball, I think they're going to have, you know, finish in the top four or five. I don't think they finish two, John. I just don't. I don't see how they do, especially with what everybody else has done uh, around the league. Um, you talked about the Lakers. The Lakers are going to be fighting for their lives to get into the play-in game, I mean, at least to where, where it is right now. So um, the Lakers did make some changes. I do think they get in. Um, I'm not so sure that they don't – you know, I, I'm not so sure they get into the seven or eight range. So I, I I wouldn't be surprised if they're if they're playing in that play-in game. And, of course, they win that and have to play a one or two seed. Um, and if it's the Grizzlies at two, I don't think you want to see the Lakers, especially if no. they get hot. I mean, so – it's gonna be interesting to see how it all uh, it all comes that da- comes out. Um, I'm not everybody's put all their chips on the Suns. I'm not that guy yet because I mean if you can't win with James Harden, Kyrie, and Kevin Durant, I'm yeah. not I'm not sold on Kevin Durant going to play with Booker and Paul and winning immediately. Do I think they should? Absolutely. Look at it on paper. It's unbelievable. They should win every game they play, if we're being honest. But I just Something's off with Kevin Durant, chemistry-wise. When he goes and plays with other superstars, there's just I've got to be I've got to be proven first that it's going to work. It's got to be shown to me that it's going to work, and then I might you know start believing it. But for now, John, I'm not like everybody else. A lot of folks, at least, saying okay, it's the Suns or nobody. I will say
1: on the Suns front, the reason I think this could be a little different is Chris Paul. Right. And I'm not saying that as far from the the basketball angle because I think it's pretty obvious Chris Paul's on the decline with his basketball talents. But from a locker room perspective, Chris Paul still can lead. Oh, yeah. Chris Paul is still a mature presence in the locker room, whereas Kyrie Irving, you know, it goes without saying, James Harden goes without saying, <laughs> there are locker room question marks uh, with those two individuals. And so – that's where I think it could still work with Chris Paul, even if Chris Paul is not the point god that we have seen him be at peak of powers in, in previous iterations. But the leadership he has, and obviously you know what Devin Booker can give you, and Devin Booker is improving defensively. You know what Devin Booker can do scoring. DeAndre Ayton's still there. If you, He can kind of put aside whatever beef he has with Monty Williams for the time being. You know, there's still a chance, I think, for, for a deep run there. I think they could go deeper than we ever saw the Nets iteration go. Um, which is would be the conference finals. Yeah. So, you know, we'll be interesting to see how that uh, comes out. Tennessee basketball, we kind of delved into this a little bit earlier in the program with Jonathan and Chad, so we're not going to go too in detail, but obviously they knocked off Alabama last week without its top two scores and then missed them dearly in a loss to Kentucky. They're now number 11 in the new AP poll. The Cardinals have signed President of Baseball Operations John Mosliak to a new extension through 2025. And then UT Martin basketball heading into their final two regular season games ahead of next week's OVC tournament in Evansville. The men are tied for second at 18-11 and 10-6. And And with a Moorhead loss and they went out, they could tie and earn a share of the regular season title. And they are trying to pack out the gym on Thursday night as ESPNU is going to be in town, free admission, uh, is offered. So if you are in the area, you want to go watch some good basketball, head over to UTM. That is the last regular season home game. It's nationally televised. They're literally going to let you walk in the door for free. So if you can get over there, head over there and watch them take on TSU. And on the side of the women, they're in a three-way tie for fifth with two games to go, 11 and 16 overall. It is We Back Pat Night. So if nationally televi- national television is not incentive to go, perhaps We Back Pat Night is incentive to go. So obviously, Jordan, it's been good seasons for both of these two these two programs.
4: Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, the women always um, like like we talk about a lot. They find a way towards the end of the season, start playing good basketball. Um, you know, Garner Spall hadn't had to lead the team at, in Cookville, um, and it, it didn't go out. It didn't go too well at least early, but they fought back in that game. Uh, they made that a good game, and the, you know they really were close to really cutting it down and, and having the opportunity to win the game. Um, but they just couldn't close there in the fourth quarter. Um, and then the men, I mean, the year they're having is, is unreal. I mean, it's it really is. They've lost one game at home. Have they already set the record for the home wins? I believe they have. I'm sure they
1: have. And really, yeah. if you want to t- – you know, they, they talked about this on their social. The lone loss was to Tennessee Tech. They kind of avenged that
4: one over the weekend with the right. win over in Cookville. Right, yeah. So, uh, I think they've already broke that record of how many home wins they've had in a, in a single season. And, and that's – um, you know, John – we, we didn't get to see that. I mean, the men's team was not that good, especially at home. Um, So we had a couple of years there where they were decent, but I I think what, uh, what they got going on now uh, is, is pretty incredible. They're, they're doing a good job playing together. I know a lot of people were wondering how this team would gel um, because you got so many guys transferring in um, and coming from different, you know, different teams, but I, I think they've done a good job. And, I think they have an opportunity to go win this thing. I mean, to go win the OVC title and in the tournament at least. I know obviously they don't have uh, they have a chance in the regular season, but Morehead's going to have to lose, and they look pretty strong. But if you get they're getting hot at the right time, if they go uh, to Evansville and compete at a high level, I mean, we could see them uh, in the NCAA tournament. I mean, I don't think that's too far fetched.
1: No, and I don't think that's ever happened on the men's side as well. That would be absolutely historic if UT Martin can can win that automatic bid and get to the NCAA tournament. We'll take a break. We'll come back, get into some of the national headlines of the week, and then we'll have the stock market to round out the show after that. Stay tuned. More coming right after this on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward-Autoplex.
0: For your next car or truck, come see Jerry Ward Autoplex in Union City. Jerry Ward and his all-star team have a lot filled with pre-owned small, mid-sized, and full-sized cars, SUVs, and nice trucks, too. And if they don't have the right size, they'll find it for you. No matter what you're looking for, score your next ride at Jerry Ward Autoplex, Real Foot Avenue in Union City, or online at jerrywardautoplex.com. Like Jerry always says, don't dream it, drive it. Be a winner with Jerry Ward Autoplex in Union City.
1: Segment number four on the Tri-State Sports Program, presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex. Well, one of the themes, I guess you could say, of our show for the past month or so, Jordan, has been coaching searches for these NFL teams. We talked about the Colts filling their head coaching situation last week. Houston, Denver, and Carolina have done that. And literally, you know, we had joked about it. You had heard almost nothing about whatever was going on in Arizona. Well, almost as soon as we got off the air, I think it was you sent me, or one of us came across it and sent it to the other one. The Eagles are hiring, or the Cardinals are hiring Eagles defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon as their new head coach. So the Eagles now losing both coordinators from their Super Bowl uh, run team here, and it, kind of an interesting hire because the Cardinals had a horrible defense a year ago. They surrendered six thousand yards of offense and the second most points in the NFL. So you know, just as much as I told you, you know, last week that there was a reason I think the Colts went offense. I think it makes sense here why the Cardinals go defense as well.
4: I think it does. And um, you know, just listen to the press conference and a little bit of him meeting with the players and such. Uh, I just hope that it, it fits in and it gels for Arizona. Um, they're, they're in a weird spot, John. I mean, they're they're in a really weird spot. They're paying Kyler Murray a whole lot of money, um, and he's a guy that you know I'm going to say hasn't really proven himself. Um, but they they've given him a bag, and Jonathan just talked about it earlier. I you got to pay these quarterbacks, and that's where we're at in the league. Um, but I'm not so sure they didn't pay Kyler Murray a little bit too soon. So we'll see how it works out for him. Um, I'm not completely sold on the hire, but I, I we'll see. We'll see what happens with the Cardinals.
1: Yeah, I mean, and you know, it'll be interesting to see who they do offensively there because you're going to have to find an offensive coordinator that can get along well enough with uh, Kyler yeah. Murray, who is. I mean, they gave him a bag. And so now he, of course, is the uh, face of that franchise. On the Derek Carr front and also around the NFL, Derek Carr, his market is kind of shaping up. The Saints, Panthers, and Jets are all kind of interested in that. And and Jordan, you know, don't really have any news on Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, you know, that situation is still developing. But let me ask you this. Just quick buy or sell, and this was just off the cuff, just thought about it. We've heard the Jets and the Raiders obviously mentioned alongside Aaron Rodgers. Now you see the Jets are kind of mentioned alongside Derek Carr as well as the Panthers and the Saints. If you're one of these teams and obviously take Green Bay out of the mix because and the Raiders out of the mix because they're, you know, you're you're not talking about Carr with the Raiders or Green Bay getting Aaron Rodgers. Maybe they go after Derek Carr, I don't know. But do you want Derek Carr right now or do you want Aaron Rodgers
4: more? If you're Green Bay, or either you know any team that's quarterback? Oh, you you want Aaron Rodgers for sure. I mean, I don't think that's too hard to to figure that out. I mean, Derek Carr is is a good player. Um, I I have Derek Carr behind Ryan Tannehill. So, you know, for me, it's I, I don't know that I put a lot of stock in that Derek Carr can go win you a, a whole bunch of games and you know put you put together a good playoff run. Um And you know, Aaron Rodgers can win a lot of games with the right pieces. So. If you have some of those pieces, I think you, you definitely go get Aaron Rodgers, but you, you're also getting a head case. So that's, that's that's where should. I was going with
1: this. It, is
4: are you willing to
1: to give up the capital for the head case that will be Aaron Rodgers? To, uh, I think at know, the point
4: play. the point we're at in the league, I think you you have to. I mean you have to have a good quarterback to win. We know that. Yeah. So that's where I was kind
1: of going is just uh, the head case that you're going to have to deal with oh, yeah. in Aaron Rodgers. That, that's where, you know, it's kind of similar to the Kyrie stuff in the NBA. You know, great player, no doubt. He makes your team better on the floor. Yep. But in the locker room and from a media standpoint, is that someone you want uh, representing your, I mean, your franchise? Uh, the Jaguars passing in coordinator Jim Bob Cooter is going to be the new Colts offensive coordinator. So Colts uh, going with another kind of quarterback developer to help Shane Steichen out in developing whoever the Colts draft in April. Justin Fields wants the Bears to build a dome, he says. Uh, Travis Kelsey is going to host Saturday Night Live on March 4th. Eric Bieniemy has been hired by the Commanders as their new offensive coordinator and assistant head coach. Greg Olson is saying on, on Tom Brady potentially taking his spot. I have all the respect in the world for Tom Brady, but I'm not going to roll over and die. Get your popcorn ready. Perhaps a broadcast war over at Fox. Saquon Barkley is expected to test the open market, and Daniel Jones is wanting somewhere between 30 and 40 perhaps more than $40 million before he decides what he's going to do. So, Jordan, where do you want to go with all of these uh, various headlines from the NFL? The
4: enemy is fix, fixing to get a shot. I mean, he's, yes. he's got an opportunity. The offense is completely his. Nobody else is dealing with it. Nobody else is making decisions. He's in complete control. So we're going to find out real quick um, if he's, you know, the reason. I I, I, I want to credit a lot of the success of the Kansas City uh, Chiefs to, to Andy Reid, though. I mean, obviously he calls all the plays. We know that. Um, so the enemy, he's got an opportunity here. I'm not saying that he ha- doesn't have something to do with what they've been able to do the last few years. Um, but we're fixing to find out. We're fixing to find out front and center, so I'm happy for him. I'm glad he's getting an opportunity, and um, if he does well here, he probably will end up with a head coaching job as well. I mean, he's been in talks about that uh, for several teams. Um, When you look at this Greg Olson, Tom Brady stuff, I mean, get your popcorn ready, like you said. I mean, this is going to be fun. Um, I think Olson did a pretty good job. Uh, He's fun to listen to. He's very knowledgeable of the game, obviously, and we haven't heard Tom Brady yet. We don't have a clue. Yep. How good Tom Brady's gonna be. I know he's good at football, but that doesn't mean anything. So this is gonna be interesting to see how this plays out with Fox.
1: Well, and on the Bienemy front, I will say the, the youth pastor at my church, uh, Greg Alderdice, he he is a huge commanders fan, sent me a video this morning, and it was the Sean McCoy kind of casting mm-hmm. some doubt on uh Eric Bienabe because he kind of said, If you sit in these meetings, Andy Reid ran a lot of the offensive mm-hmm. stuff, did a lot of the play designing, and so. You know, he's like, I'm not saying he can't do it, but I will say it's going to be a a learning curve for him because Andy Reid, like you said, kind of handled a lot of that.
4: And called the plays too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it is a promotion. It is a pay raise for it. He also gets the title of assistant head coach. But like you said, getting his shot. And uh, we'll see what happens there. In the NBA, Kyrie and Luca lit up the stat sheet in their first two games together. But they have struggled to find wins. A couple of buyouts of note. The Cavaliers have bought out Kevin Love. He's going to sign with the Heat. Cavaliers say they're going to retire Love's number zero. Russell Westbrook bought out by the Jazz. He's going to join the Clippers which will become the fifth team for Westbrook in five years. He joins his old buddy, Paul George, from Oklahoma City. And the Celtics have named Joe Mazzulla the full-time head coach in Boston and have given him an extension. So before we dive into some of the Hall of Fame and All-Star stuff, Jordan, anything from that group stand out?
4: You also got Patrick Beverly that's going to sign with the Bulls as well. So that's something to add to that. I'm I'm excited. Way back when the Lakers released Russell Westbrook, I mentioned that I wish the Clippers would sign him and he would go off against the Lakers. Well, here we are. I mean, maybe maybe that wish is going to come true. They play in April, um, so I don't watch a whole lot of NBA games, but I'll be excited to see what uh, what Russell Westbrook does against the Lakers. For some reason, I think he's going to have a big game. That's just that's just me, but that's going to be fun to see. Um, obviously, Kevin Kevin Love. Uh, heading to the Miami Heat. I mean, this has just come full circle when, you know, you got LeBron who's played with him and been everywhere, and that now Kevin Love is, is at the Heat. It seems like everybody makes a stop in Miami. Uh, there must be a beach there or something, John. I, I don't know. And uh, no income tax. No, income, no state income tax. That's correct. So um, we'll see how, how it helps them. I mean, they do need some some extra role guys off the bench, and I think he can, he can definitely help them there. The Celtics, uh, you know, it's about time. He's done enough to be the head coach. Um, he, they, I mean, they have the best record in the league at the all star break. Um, and this is a team that's playing in the east with a lot of, uh, a lot of good teams. So we'll see, um, we'll see what happens with the Celtics moving forward. I'm glad they made this official. I do think that they're probably still the favorite, uh, to win the east right now.
1: I am curious, do you think Russell Westbrook can, can make this work with his old buddy Paul George and they can, the Clippers can kind of, take another step and he can kind of find the form of the the Westbrook we've seen about three, four years
4: ago, or do you think he's washed? I don't think he'll get to that point again. Uh, I do think he can contribute in the right situation. He's not a guy that's going to go out and shoot, you know, mid-range three-point shots. He's a guy that's got to get downhill, get to the basket, be explosive. I still think he can do that. Um, But I do think he can help the Clippers just based around what situation they're having right now. I mean, they got Paul George, they got – Kawhi Leonard, which Paul George couldn't hit a shot in the All Star game the other night. I think he's yeah. like O of eight or something. But um, Kawhi's got to stay healthy. I mean, that, yes. he's he's good enough to carry them. We saw him do that with the Raptors. Um, but he's he's got to stay healthy. So we'll see we'll see what happens down the stretch of the season. I do think, like I said, Russell can can be explosive, still finish at the rim with the best of them. But he's not going to go out and, and knock down those long shots again. He's just not going to do that. He's not a good shooter.
1: No, he never really was a great shooter. No. So, um, Some other notes from as it was All-Star Weekend, and we'll get into some of that here in just a moment. Hall of Fame finalists for the class of 2023 were announced. Jordan, a couple of names that are near and dear to you. Greg Popovich, Dirk Nowitzki, Dwayne Wade, Tony Parker, Pal Gasol, and Becky Hammond are some of the kind of headliner names, a few other names as well, but those were the kind of the big names, at least that I recognized, and so that will be interesting to see. I mean, surely you would think the first three or four I just mentioned, Popovich, Nowitzki, Wade, Parker, Gasol are are borderline locks. Um, The NBA All-Star weekend Saturday night, I mean, Jordan, I didn't watch really a minute of it. I saw some highlights. I will say Mac McClung absolutely stole the show at the dunk contest. That was really fun. Um, and then I, I watched, I guess, about 50% of the uh, the All-Star game itself. And I think it was Jalen Brown who said it was a glorified layup line, and that was essentially what it was, especially because the Elam ending really didn't matter as much because um, I think it was Team Giannis was up by, what, 15, 20? Oh, yeah. 20. 20 I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, they were up heading into the fourth quarter, so it didn't matter as much. But I guess it was cool seeing Jason Tatum set the new record for points in an All-Star game with 55. He won the MVP. Giannis and LeBron both. Didn't even finish the game with various injuries. So, anything stick out to you from All-Star Weekend? What did you watch, and, uh, you know, what, what what did you make of it?
4: Well, the Hall of Fame first, obviously, with Pop and, and Dirk. And you, you mentioned Pop and Tony Parker, who are going to be close, but also adding Dirk in there. Dirk was one of my favorite players uh, growing up watching the league. So, those three, I hope, definitely get in there. I like Dwayne Wade as well, and Pau Gasol. Uh, there's several on here that are really, really good. As far as the All-Star Weekend goes, the dunk contest is absolutely absolutely awful yes i understand that you know he definitely stole the show uh but But he's a g league player but he's a g league player and he and he did have a good outing in the dunk contest but the his competitors were awful i mean it was really it was just tough to watch um lillard went off in the three-point competition didn't see that but did see highlights Um, and i'm not surprised by that he's a really good shooter um, and then Jason Tatum. I mean, I, I, you know, I like Jason Tatum, but I got to pick at him a little bit. I mean, you're going to set the record when you take about every shot he he took. I mean, every time they came down the floor, he was shooting a three and it looked like they were kind of force feeding him a little bit as well. So I don't know if there's something there. They were trying to get him to that record, um, but they were really trying to, um, trying to get him to take a majority of those shots. So, um, congratulations to him though. That's really, uh, obviously it's an all star game. Most people would say, man, he set that record against some of the best, but they don't play defense at all. So, um, it was, really I will just say a, it was, it was fun when team.
1: he went, went on one with Jalen
4: Brown. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> that was cool. I want to see here. Let's see. He took, I want to see how many shots he took. He was 22 of 31. The next wow. highest on his team was Donovan Mitchell, who took 25 shots. Wow. And he scored 40. Donovan Mitchell scored 40 points. So, you know, and then, of course, Giannis didn't play but one possession because of his wrist. And then the highest amount of shots on Team LeBron was Jalen Brown with 27 who came off the bench. So, Jason Tatum taking 31 shots. You got the two Celtics there that took the most shots in the All-Star game. Yeah. They did kind of steal the show, but I guess there wasn't much of a
1: show to no. uh, to to watch um, unless you just like watching dunks and layups, which is – It's fine, whatever. Um, LeBron, you know, we talked about the Lakers. LeBron does say these last 23 games of the season are the most important in his career because he doesn't want to miss the playoffs for two seasons in a row. Jordan, I have a simple question. If you are the quote-unquote greatest of all time, how are you on teams that are are in
4: danger of missing the playoffs for two straight years? Because they let you be the GM. I mean, LeBron tried to create every one of these teams and told them who to go get, um, and it just doesn't always gel. I mean, it, it's – and LeBron's getting older. I mean, he misses – this is something I said the other night. Why is he playing in the All-Star game whenever he plays one in every four regular games? I mean, yep. literally, he he played he played a game a couple weeks ago, and he rolled his ankle, and they said it was minor, and he set out the next three. I, I get we're we're talking about, John, the, the argument, and if anybody – I know you're not a LeBron guy, but if anybody ever brings this up, here's a little – Here's a little ammo for you with LeBron argument. We talk about this longevity of his career. Man, he's played 19 seasons. He's going to play – he could play 23 seasons. Go look how many games he's playing in those seasons. It's not every one of them, and it's one in about every four. Will he play these last 23? Probably so because they're on the mission to make the playoffs. But they're in this position because he misses so many games, and, you know, they're having to pay him and Anthony Davis – and if you look at Anthony Davis, supposedly LeBron's not happy with him and they can move on from him. So um, I, I don't get the, I understand the scoring title. I understand, or the scoring, the scoring record. I understand what he's, he's he went to the uh, finals eight years in a row, but I look at the finals record, which is not very impressive. It's obviously he's won some, but it's not very impressive overall compared to MJ who's, who's, he who's, you know, usually compared to is the goat. And then I look at, he misses too many games. I, yeah. I, that drives me insane. I understand yeah. he's getting older, but if you're going to argue, man, he's playing all these seasons, you also have to argue, well, he, the reason he's doing it is because he's missing all these games. I mean, he's sitting out so much. So there's people that come out just to watch him probably, and they they don't get to see him because he's he's out every other game at least. Yeah. Yeah. That no just If you can't tell, I hate the sitting out stuff. I can't stand it. Yeah, it and I
1: don't. I think it's starting to to really bother other people as well. <laughs> uh, MLB: The ball rolls are going to be more strictly enforced in 2023, and then full team workouts have begun in spring training. Deion Sanders says he will not settle for mediocrity at Colorado. And then you've got this weird headline that popped up yesterday: that college football is exploring to. Uh, exploring rule changes to shorten games. And they're, of course, as we always do, we're doing it in the name of player health, quote, unquote. Um, and, and everyone on Twitter, of course, took to, to Twitter to, dis, you know, destroy them because this is not in the name of, of health. I mean, and there, there's really a, a simple way to to shorten games, Jordan, and we know what it is. It's to quit taking three-minute TV timeouts after a kickoff or after a touchdown you know, you can cut back on about four breaks a game and the game will end in two and a half hours instead of the the three and a half that they're running right now. But these are the rules that are on the table. No consecutive timeouts. No longer allowing for untimed downs at the end of the first and third quarters if there's a defensive penalty. Clock running after first downs except for the final two minutes of the half. And the clock runs continuously after an incomplete pass once the ball is spotted for play. So what did you make of this really, I I would say, dumb, um, thing that popped up yesterday.
4: The last two burned me up. The first two I can live with, you take a timeout, you get back out there. you should be ready to go. You shouldn't need another one right after that. Um, untimed downs after a defensive penalty. I don't like it, but I can live with it. But whenever you start running the clock after first downs, I know it's like the NFL at that point, but that's what makes it different. I mean college football, um, you know that okay, I got a first down, I got time to get to the you know get the ball, get the ball snapped. when it's spotted, that's when the clock's starting back. It would take some time to adjust to that. I don't like that, and I don't like the fact that at any time after an incomplete pass, you should start the clock because here's the situation with that. If you go by that rule, you're trying to spike the ball late in the game. When you spike it, it, they spot it. When you spike it and they spot it, it should start back under that rule, and I I don't like that. I I don't think that that – I don't understand why they're trying to change that. I mean, I, I don't understand those last two for sure. Player safety, Jordan. Player safety. Give me that. So you don't have any timeouts and you got 40 seconds left. You're trying to go tie the game. And if you spike it, you have, I mean, they're really going to start the clock right back. So there's no reason to even do that. So there's, it doesn't make any sense. I, I don't like that. And I don't like the, uh, I could probably live with the clock running after a first down um, than I could more than the last one there. Where they, I just think the whole, the whole premise
1: of this is so stupid. Oh, I it's, mean, yeah, it, it doesn't it, make it's, any it's, sense.
4: I mean, I mean, look, we we talk about these
1: CBS games that run four hours, but that this is why they run four hours. A team scores a
4: touchdown. You kick the extra point. We take a four-minute break. We yeah. come
1: back. We kick off, and then we take
4: another four-minute break. I mean, do you care, John? You're you're a huge college football fan. I am too. We wa- We watch these games. Do we care how long they last if they're a good game? No, no, no. Careless. Play no. it for six hours. We're watching the game. It's Tennessee Alabama on the third Saturday in October. It's close. We're watching if Tennessee and Alabama were still playing right now, you'd, you'd still be watching it. Yes. Because that's just how much we care about it. I mean, yes. there's no reason to try to shorten it. I understand they got to get all this stuff in TV wise, but, you know, I, I don't understand. And that, that's where we're going is it seems like that stuff's being more and more important than the actual game itself.
1: Well, and here here's another way you can and I'm going to I'm going to segue this into the XFL. Did you watch any of the XFL this weekend? I did watch a little bit. I
4: did watch. I will bit.
1: tell you one of the coolest things I've, and I didn't watch a ton of it. I just saw this and I thought this was a very cool. And I think this might set a trend in the other, you know, with college football and perhaps the NFL, the transparency with which they did reviews. Where you've got the guy, I guess, in New York, and he's basically talking. You hear him live talking to the official on the field, saying, "Okay, this is what we're seeing. So we're going to spot the ball here. It's going to be first down on this hash." And I mean, that to me is the transparency that is missing
4: in the sport. It, yeah, you right? don't need to. You don't need to stop the game. Go ahead and let them buzz in, but yes. let us hear it. Let us hear. Yes. Let, let us hear what you're telling them. Spot the ball and move on. I agree. Yes.
1: What did you, did you, I mean, how much of it did you watch and what did you think of the XFL? I,
4: I love the kickoff too. I mean, I know it's, it's not the old school kickoff that we all like, but I thought it was, it was more competitive because um, you really have to block a guy. You're not just coming down here and nailing a guy. Um, I like that. Um, there were, there were a few things. I, I thought that their camera angles, ironically, were a little bit better. Um, you could see everything. Um, and then another thing that I liked was the fact that everybody's mic'd up. So you yep. get, you, every single player is um at least the skill players i know but i'm pretty sure everybody is they kept going to them um in situations and that was cool to hear what they were saying and what they were thinking um i don't know how long it lasts though i mean people are people are you know they're they're just uh they do the same thing over and over and when you try to bring in something new people don't change much so i don't know that it's going to uh you know blow up into this huge league or anything and try to I don't think it'll ever be able to compete with what what we're used to watching no. the NFL and college football and all that.
1: I do think though it, it get it, there's a market for it, you know, right I now do. spring after the Super Bowl. Now, you know, people don't have to go into the football hole of no football. And I'll tell you the other one, you know, the, the fourth and fifteen instead of an onside kick when trailing in the fourth quarter. That was you Yeah, know, there was a team.
4: Cool. Did you say the team that was down, I think the 15 Battle Hawks points from St. Louis. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That was cool to be able to take the fourth and fifteen. That, that was cool. I like that.
1: Yeah. So it'll be I mean, I'll probably try to keep an eye on it when I can. And it'll it'll be something else to watch. And then you've got the USFL that comes back, I think, in April or May, yeah. somewhere in there. So there'll be football on. Um, I don't know how great the football will be, but but there will be football. Let's take another quick break. We'll come back, wrap the show up with the stock market on the other side. Right after this on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry
4: Ward Autoplex. Are you looking for a place to sit back, relax, and support your favorite sports teams? It's the Hawks Nest Bar and Grill in Martin. On Mondays, $3 well shots and $1 nanny light cans. Also, weekly cornhole tournaments with $10 blind draws, sign-ups at 6 and bags fly at 7. Titsy Tuesdays, trivia night, $2 well tequila shots, $2 natty cans, two-for-one well shots, and also $2 tacos. Wednesday wing Wednesday with 50-cent wings. Karaoke on Thursday and each and every weekend live music, so be sure to stop by and support your favorite local bands at the Hawks at 105 Church Street in Martin.
1: Final segment of the show today on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex. For those on the audio version, Jordan did mention during the break, we forgot to mention this um, at the end of our last segment, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. wins America's race at the Daytona 500 in double overtime, which I didn't know overtime was a thing in NASCAR, but apparently it is. So, congratulations to uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Uh, Jordan, a lot of these are kind of based on the the trade deadline and the Super Bowl. We didn't get a chance to get into those last week. So, we'll go ahead and dive into those. Buy or sell from the NFL here. Patrick Mahomes would be a Hall of Famer if he retired tomorrow. Uh, Bye.
4: You do. I think think he's done enough. I do too. I think I I go back to – I think I may have talked about this last week. I go back to what Peyton Manning obviously has said about him and the resume and how it lines up um, with other quarterbacks. I mean, I think he's done enough right now to be in the Hall of Fame. I don't know that he would be – does it say first ballot? You didn't say first ballot. No, I just said Hall of Famer. I don't know that he would be first ballot, um, but I do think he would make the Hall of Fame.
1: I mean, I think his resume is better than some quarterbacks that are already in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, Especially at this age, and it's only going to get better. So, yes, I, I think I would buy as well. Super Bowl 57 will be remembered as a top 10 Super Bowl of all time. Buy or sell?
4: I think that we typically remember things based off how they happen, and with this being one of the most recent ones and it being a close game and a good game, I think a lot of people would probably say, if you went and asked them if you polled America right now, I think a lot of people would say, yeah, it's a top 10 Super Bowl, but without digging through all of them, um, I would probably buy just because it's at the top of mind and it was a really good game.
1: See, I, I'm I think I'm going to actually sell because this is where, where I'm at with it. I think you remember the Super Bowls more for the moment than you do for the the game themselves. As a game, yes, I think it's a great it was a great game. But I also think when you think of the greatest Super Bowls that we always talk about, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. You think back to the David Tyree catch that set up the Giants win. You think to the San Antonio Holmes toe touch and catch that won, the Malcolm Butler interception that won the game for the Patriots. You know, these moments that kind of defined the game. And, of course, everyone wants to point to the holding call. But I don't, you know, there, to me, I can't think of one defining moment for this game. What would you say it is if you have one?
4: There, I mean, I, the hold at the end, but that was that was really. Yep. There wasn't anything. I mean, there was a Patrick Mahomes scrambling for the first down. On but, a yes ankle. Yep. I mean, there was a there was a few things in the game that were really good. But I'm like you. I mean, there's not a whole lot. I just I'm looking at the game itself though. But I understand yep. moment wise. I, I definitely agree with you. I mean, when you think of historic Super Bowls, the moments are the first thing that come to mind.
1: Yeah. Um, And then finally in the NFL, three of the five teams that made a new hire this offseason will be in the postseason in 2023.
4: I don't think Arizona will be. Um, I think Indy has a chance to be there. Um, That's that's a hard one, John. I'd have to really, really think about that. I mean, thinking about who's on the teams. Uh, Denver, I think Denver does make it. I do think they figure it out. I'm gonna say Carolina and Arizona, Carolina and Houston, Carolina, Houston, and Arizona don't for sure. So I'm gonna sell it.
1: Yeah, I would sell too. And you know, thinking through this, I'm like you. I think Denver probably has the best chance. They're the most set up um, to to do that. Indy, depending on how the young quarterback pans out, could. But I mean, I'll tell you, as the Colts fan in the room here, I don't expect Indy to. I think Indy will be about 500 at best. And if they are, that'd be great.
4: I I don't think the Titans are going to – I think the Titans are going to be worse Uh, again. I think they took a step back this year like I expected. I think they'll take another step back. Um, I I hate to say this because we're both fans in the division, but I think this is Trevor Lawrence's division right now. I think it is. I I think the Jaguars are fixing to turn it on the next few years.
1: Yeah, I think until someone knocks them off, they are the – I mean, it's their division right now. Uh, to the NBA, the new retooled Lakers will make the postseason, and when I say that, I'm saying even if they have to go through the play-in game, they do get into the top eight and make the playoffs.
4: I think they make the play-in game, which is, I guess, technically the postseason. I don't know that they win the game. Um, I guess I'll say they do. I'll buy it. I think they get in because they're going. They're not. Le- LeBron can't miss the playoffs two years in a row.
1: So right now they are, I guess, 12th. in twelfth uh, yeah, right? in the yeah. the West, and they are right now only two games back from the play-in. So this is what who the who's in the play-in right now: the Pelicans, the T-Wolves, the Warriors, Thunder, and then ahead of the Lakers, the Blazers and the Jazz. So that's who. I – mean, really, you got to get to ten. I mean, that, that's where you got to get to. But I mean, you think about it: the Jazz were sellers at the deadline. The Blazers, I, I don't really think they're going much of anywhere. The Warriors have got to get healthy. The Thunder, I don't know if they're good enough to continue this. Um, the Pelicans and the Wolves, I think, will be there. Um, I think they're good enough to kind of hold serve. So you're really gunning for nine or ten, like you said. But I do think they can get in. I, I really do. I'll, I'll buy yeah. it. Kevin Durant will win a title in Phoenix. Buy or sell?
4: Man, I want to say I want to say sell so bad. Um How does it not work out though? I mean, you got Devin Booker, CP3, who you talk about as a great leader, one of the best point guards in the history of the league. Um, And he, I'm going to say, I'm going to buy it, but it's going to be more because of CP3. I think he wants one that bad. He knows he's got to get one because he's heading out. And I think they figure it out for him. But the problem, the one thing that concerns me about Phoenix is they don't have as much depth anymore. They had so many guys coming off the bench. That could help them and you have to have depth. You can't just have those starters, especially older starters like CP3 and KD. Um I'll buy it though, but I, I do think I don't know that this, this year. I think they'd have to get some more some more role guys.
1: I think before the life of that contract is over, he wins one. I'll buy it. I do too. I don't know if it's this year, but I but I do I do think it could be. Which leads into my next thing here. Mavericks Sons will be the Western Conference Finals by or sell. This year, this year, I'll sell. Who, who are
4: you, Who would you know? Who in the field do you like? I don't know who. I don't know. I, I think the Nuggets are still really good. I mean, they're one of the deepest teams. Um, when they're healthy, um, I think the Mavericks or Suns can be there, but I don't think both of them will be there. I'll take the field, so I'll sell.
1: Yeah, I take the field right now as well. I think the Suns are likely to be there. I, The Mavericks, it's just too reliant on on Luka and Irving. And like you said, I think you've got other teams. I mean, I think the Clippers, if Westbrook can make an an impact, I think the Grizzlies, if they can kind of figure it out. I think, like you said, the Nuggets are going to be up in there. Um, I mean, I just think the field right now in the West is so top-heavy and so deep that uh, it's kind of hard to see Dallas getting there on the backs of just two guys and then you know just kind of a bunch of – you know, dudes that are, you know, not really anybody that you just want to write home about. So I'll I'll sell as well. Last one, Russell
4: Westbrook makes the Clippers a title contender. Buy or sell? It's hard for me to say that Russell Westbrook makes, just adding Russell Westbrook makes anybody a contender. I mean, I do think he's still a decent player. I don't know that he puts you in that next level of greatness as a team, so I'll sell. I'll sell as well, but I'm cautiously selling
1: because again, it worked fairly well with Paul George in Oklahoma City. I mean, they they didn't they weren't together long, but I mean, it seemed to work well. They had good chemistry, but you know, Kawhi is kind of the X factor in this, and they are fourth in the West right now. Um, and the team no one
4: is talking about is the Kings, who are third. But uh, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't I think, think anybody can- puts a whole lot of stock into the Kings, but I do think that they're a good team too. They're a young team.
1: Yeah, Young with Fox and and Sabonis and and all those guys. Well, that's going to do it for our show today. For myself, John Thornton, for Jordan Taylor, thank you so much for watching and listening. Again, thanks to Chad Withrow and Jonathan Hutton. We hate that a little bit of our technical issues didn't cooperate. Technology is great when it works, but uh, some days it, it does not. But thanks to those guys from Outkick the Coverage for joining us. We'll try to have them back on in the near future. Jordan, any
4: final thoughts as we get ready to sign off? Great show. Appreciate Chad and Jonathan for sharing their insight about the balls and the Titans. And um, I don't know, I guess if one of my teams has to be bad, I'm okay with it being the Titans because the balls <laughs> are rolling right now. And hopefully they can take that next step in the coming years. Yeah, appreciate those guys. Had a great conversation mm-hmm. with them early
1: in earlier in the show. We'll have this posted to radio in later in the day as well as on WEK on Wednesday night this week. But that's gonna do it for our show today. Good morning and God bless from the Tri-State Foot program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Auto Blacks.